Hey y'all. Hey, I'm Gus. I'm Nolan. And welcome to our new podcast. Please, Please give, give us, us a good grade, Mr. Gahan. All right, so we are here today to talk about whether or not human beings should try and create epics. Now, Nolan and I have both done a lot of reading, a lot of studying recently over the functions of epics themselves. We've read the Aeneid, we've read the Aeneid, which is up for discussion whether or not it is an epic. And ultimately, we are presented with this question whether or not we as human beings are capable or should just be able to write epics. Like, there being a natural law against it, I guess. Yeah. Like, uh, humans themselves are so complex. Like, it's definitely, like, viable that people are, like, good enough to do it. But, like, when you look at humans, they're so flawed. Like, should they actually be able to write those epics? Yeah, so today we are going to have so much fun discussing that. Let's get into it. Alright, so I feel like the best way to really get into this conversation is discussing, like, what are the true qualifications of an epic? And I know this is a really subjective question, mm-hmm. but I feel like this matters when we ultimately have to kind of draw out this thesis yep. of, well, what really is an epic? Like, what truly defines it? And yeah. whether or not we're capable of writing it. A lot of uh, scholars normally write it as the, the Greek description, where it's like a, a hero, a hero has his stuff, and a hero goes in a quest, and that is just kind of like that description, that journey more, more or less, like that, the way that he, or yeah, he, <laughs> the way that yeah. he, the hero goes and makes a journey that exemplifies like the human spirit and the human ability is really big, I yeah. feel like. Do you feel like it more exemplifies the human, because here's the thing I've always been kind of interested in, because I feel like when you look at something like the Aeneid versus the Aeneid, mm-hmm. you have the Aeneid, which is kind of talking about, like, you know, here's this guy who's on this mission from the gods. He's kind of, you know, throughout the entire story, as much as we like to think of his free will, there's ultimately this, like, overshadowing notion of it's the gods' will that's been imposed mm-hmm. on him. But where, like, you see with the Aeneid, you have this kind of, like, other idea that you know she's kind of doing her own thing and in that case it can kind of make it this like mock epic and i know we've talked mm-hmm. about that but like is it more like based on free will or is it more like are we this pawn like that's yeah. something i've always kind of been confused about more or less because especially in like even going out outside of like the aeneid like the odyssey especially odysseus has no like control of anything that happens to him like he his spirit like is what the thing that gets him through but overall he is being guided by forces not of his own yeah that okay because i remember like in sixth grade reading the odyssey and thinking to myself okay this guy gets sent from place to place each and every time he comes into some conflict either Mm -hmm. you know Poseidon's mad at him so he's gonna you know send him to this island where there's a cyclops and next thing you know, you go to this island where there's a witch who's turning all of his men into pigs. And, well, I feel like you have this, you know, very collect notion of like, okay, this is his spirit. And his spirit is like, you know, it's his personality. It's what makes him him. Ultimately, it's not his spirit that's defining his actions. Cause it's, mm-hmm. And I feel like you can kind of see that in the Aeneid. Because you have this guy who's like, you know, he knows what his mission is. 
I think in part of that, he knows what it is. Yeah, he's you know, so pious. Yeah, he's so... he Guys, he's just such a great guy. Overwhelmingly <laughs> pious. Like, the piety is off the charts. I've, I've never seen anyone like him. Never. And you have this, you have this guy where he is, you know, you have Venus and you have... She's come to him and it's like, okay, look, I am going, you know, you're going to go through this stuff. You're going to have all these tests, but ultimately it's going to be okay because you are going to come out on top. You're going to reach this new civilization. You're going to, you know, your descendants will start Rome. Yeah. And while, you know, that happens, he also, you know, he's trying to be pious, but he has no control. He just Mm -hmm. kind of like, he's like, okay, I give up, let it happen in a sense because at the same time he's still trying to fight it because you know he wants to he's a human he has emotions but yeah yeah um that whole concept of like contemporary epics or a lot of like oh i am the chosen one <laughs> or like you or like not even like in the odyssey like the iliad there's definitely people who are like chosen to do this or that and they're like divine but like the Aeneid people can argue for its uh, epic stature and yet Annie in herself is just a regular woman like she lives I think in Chicago like she has nothing going for her outside of the inner machinations of her mind being so outlandishly fantastic yeah. like she but that, that does that make her still the hero of the story I think it does like well, it's, it's, you know, it's this different type of hero. Mm-hmm. It's like seeing a hero in the, like, n- the normal nature that, you know, I think we ourselves relate to. Like, it's hard for us. Like, I can personally not relate to Aeneas. Mm-hmm. But, you know, seeing the Aeneid and, you know, while I am a white dude, you know, comparing yeah. to a, a black woman, at the same time, she is going on this, you know, epic of self-discovery. And that's mm-hmm. something that we all go through. And I think it's through that that, you know, I think that's a really interesting, you know, idea right there because in the first place, when you're looking at it from Anissa's standpoint, that's a really hard thing to, like, you know, you can't put yourself in that situation. Like, mm-hmm. I think and that's also part of contextualization, like, in a modern setting. Yeah. And it's interesting how it keeps playing out. Like, she keeps going on discovery and it's about love and it's about loss and how she composes herself and how she rebuilds herself Mm -hmm. and ultimately i love that that's what the epic story is because that's a normal story that's what people go through you know through their normal lifetimes like Like there's especially like a reason that like a lot of songs are are love songs oh my god like literally you could not like pull up a list of the top 100 and not find like half of them be about love I mean, I figured out the other day that, like, my favorite song of all time was a love song, and I didn't mm-hmm. even realize it. And I was like, okay, this this makes sense. Like, yeah, like... <laughs> it's, you know, and I think love is kind of rooted in the Aeneid, but not in the same sense of mm-hmm. the Aeneid. Yeah. And, you know, it's her love that defines her, and it's, you know, how she learns to love herself, which is, mm-hmm. you know, how she comes out on top, which I think that's, like, one of the coolest things. And it's interesting that that is you know people are like oh yeah that is really heroic and at the same time they're like well it also isn't you know there's people kind of associate it with this like mock epic notion i like i don't know how else to describe it but like it's not quite as genuine as fighting these battles and sure like you know it's not the same you know actions you know she's not physically stabbing a bunch of uh italians Mm -hmm. or you know cutting 
uh, someone's head off because she sees a belt on their yeah. shoulder. Yeah. But at the same time, she's doing something that is emotionally draining and mm-hmm. she's learning to love herself, which is, you know, I think today in a world where mental health is such a prominent mm-hmm. figure in our lives, that's one of the biggest things. Like in high school, you know, we're taught like, hey, like school is stressful, but at the same time, like you need to take care of yourself, you need to love yourself. And, and I feel like, I feel like humans should be allowed to write those types of things because that's about them Mm -hmm. but like writing these things glorifying themselves like sure the idiot like kind of puts it as like people can change Mm -hmm. and that is a glorious thing but like it doesn't say like oh this is a person that is human and even that's kind of debatable like this whole divine ethic like Mm -hmm. this whole divine part of him does that really make him human Mm -hmm. and it's like we're putting him on this pedestal and trying to be like, oh, if someone were to read this who is not human, like that d- he is not he like he is not the average humanity. Mm, like, yeah. should people be able to write? And he he might not be real. Let's we can throw that out there yeah, too. Like, like he might be a, just a story fantasy character. Well, I mean, we look back on it like the Aeneid was you know propaganda for yeah. the for Rome. I mean. You know, it, it. The other day we were having this conversation in class. Like, is is truth like is truth inevitable? Is truth real? And someone is like, truth's kind of relative. And yeah, I, I mean that kind of goes to that notion. I know that's off topic, but I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just I feel as though, and then people argue that the the Aeneid isn't an epic, and then I kind of like agree with that in a sense, just because the the ideals of an epic aren't even really human in, like, their own. Like, humans aren't what epics portray. Yeah, exactly. Well, they try to make it, like, someone who has no control. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, it's all the gods doing. And ultimately, like, we live in this society where religion doesn't have the same precedence that it did. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, back in, you know, Roman times, in this classic era... Yes, that seems a little bit more compatible to the human mind because we there was such a strong conception of yes, there's there's a god who has or gods who have very strong control over us. But you know, like when she wrote this, like she's a human and we're like still at this point, like, you know, I am saying what I'm saying, and I think I'm saying it because I'm telling myself to. I don't feel like there's a god who's watching over me saying, Okay, now you say this, you say mm-hmm. that and it's part of that which I feel like, like you said, it's glorifying it. But when we glorify ourselves and kind of put us like, okay, the gods truly want us to do this. Mm-hmm. That's where I become a little bit like skeptical about it, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Well, we're nearing the, the first half of our, our discussion. Uh, so I think we are about to go on a commercial break. And now a word from our sponsor. As I contemplate the meaning of life and my existence on this planet, I reflect to my deepest admiration and respect to Gus and Nolan. Truly, these are gentlemen and scholars. Words cannot adequately describe the enthusiasm and passion that these two have for life and academics at Louisville Collegiate. These two are the servant leaders 
that this world needs in these desperate times. And I trust that they will embrace this responsibility. And welcome back. Uh, that was a very, a very good uh, break we had there. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed the commercial. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, here I think we looked at our stuff and I think something that I wrote down last night, which I thought was really like, really showcased the the human that humans are like crazy is i i wrote we are the improbable progeny of the earth with the capability to actually recognize the fact that we are a mix of small and possibly put together pieces of the natural world that have the capacity to live a life based on how any one member wants to live it due to the strong foundations left by the predecessors to each new generation Humans have the ability to change the world and leave it changed for as long as they see fit, creating impossible marvels of ingenuity, rivaling the beauty and power of the natural world, and in some cases even harnessing that power to themselves. Like, I feel like that idea is crazy. Like, I feel like that really shows that humans should be able to glorify themselves. Yeah. Because ultimately, we're glorifying ourselves through not only our successes, mm -hmm. but our mistakes. Mm -hmm. And through the characteristics that make us human. It's not like, you know, it's not we're writing ourselves as gods in this mm -hmm. standpoint. We're really, we're, we're being as true and authentic to our own, you know, primal nature as these collection of atoms, yeah. which I think is so cool. Like, if you go off of that, like, here we are, like you said, we have the capacity to do great things. You can go on this path of self-discovery. You can discover to love yourself. But then at the same time, like looking at it from like, I don't want to transition from like the Aeneid to the Aeneid in this sense, but you know, you have her on this great self-discovery and then you have him who's, you know, trying to be as pious as possible. But then ultimately his human experience and his human recollection is to fight. And when he sees uh, Turnus with Pallas's belt on him, he is, filled with rage and his only reaction is to strike him down and brutally kill him but it's the fact that that's his that was his choice yep yep and i feel like uh that that whole like i idea like him choosing to do that as the end of the Aeneid after mm -hmm. having so little choice the entire way through is definitely showing mm -hmm. like he now has the choice like he is in the land that he was supposed to be at like he got there like halfway through mm -hmm. like and the gods were sure like still being like especially Hera were like or Juno yeah. <laughs> were especially being like ooh we're we're going to still play around in this but like after that it's entirely up to mm -hmm. him what he does and he may not do the same self discovery that like uh, Annie does mm -hmm. but like he still has the capacity to build up what Rome will be mm -hmm. and that in itself is a choice that he still made. yeah that that still shows like humans power mm -hmm to create something that was lasting like think about the roman empire yeah like and like rome the roman republic like all of that was due to humans creating something that lasted mm -hmm. like no other animal species can boast that yeah. accomplishment well i think it's interesting because part of the notion of like writing an epic and one of the like conflicts is like you know we present this to someone who isn't human mm -hmm. but ultimately we don't know anyone who yeah. isn't human. So, you know, as great as that would be to, you know, find a alien or, you know, some extraterrestrial species sometime soon and say, hey, this is what describes us. 
that gives us, you know, both the glorification and the authenticity that just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It it's it's definitely like you're writing epics for the human. You're writing epics about humans for humans, mm-hmm. and that sometimes detracts. Like whereas like the Aeneid was definitely written by a human for humans. Like it's definitely like propagandish. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it it has this agenda, mm-hmm. but it's still shows like that humans in the end will be able to like do what they want Mm -hmm. like of course he couldn't do everything that he wanted to do because he was shoved along but like for the for the majority of the time he like he was doing that but like at the end when there is no forces on him he is able to do whatever he wants yes and in the aniad he or she has that choice of I'm going to do something for myself after finding out that it's not worth it mm. to live in a different world. Yeah. Like to live someone who is not like me. Mm. And I feel like that is definitely in an, an, an interesting part of like the whole epic humans writing epics thing. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Because especially, like, you're right. she's writing that for humans at mm. that point. So, like, she is taking, like, the whole fact that she is writing that for humans, and she's, like, almost writing it, like, so that humans can get something out of mm. it. Yeah. Like, she's still showing that humans can do this, and they can, like, actually, like, glorify... Well, not glorify, but they can elevate be glorious and, yeah. elevate th- and elevate themselves by changing mm. certain ways, or, like, they can create different things. But in the end humans are going to be the ones to read it mm-hmm. and they can take something entirely different out of it than if something that was not human were to read it. Yeah, well, and I think it's, we have no idea if something that wasn't human would know those experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that's interesting. You brought up this like idea of like the agenda of like, so, you know, we look back on the historical context to which the Aeneid was created upon and there's a very specific, you know, there's a very specific structure there's a very specific agenda. We know what, at the very least, we assume what Virgil was trying to, you know, put across. Mm-hmm. But with the Aeneid, it's a little different because in today's world, you have people who are like, well, it is like an epic, but at the same time, people are like, well, no, it's a mock epic. And then there's people like, no, it's not an epic at all. It's just mm-hmm. a completely different story. I think that's interesting because it opens the door to interpretation mm-hmm. because I think with this you know, very glorified Aeneid where you see someone who's really being drawn by the gods, but you see how they have been. Like, you you get this notion of the invisible hand of Hera, like, pushing him along and Venus pushing back. Mm-hmm. But whereas with the Aeneid, you have, you know, the, the, there's the, like, line, it's like, whom the higher gods forget the lower gods berate. We don't see, you know, the true movement of the gods. We just mm-hmm. see other people, like her interactions with Tan Man, her interactions with herself, and how she works with that, which mm-hmm. I just think is so flippin' cool. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to get don't want to get too excited, but too, too vulgar. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, sorry Mr. Dan. Uh, but yeah, like that that whole idea is definitely. I feel like part of the reason why it's so cool is that it is like human, mm-hmm. like it like. Versus the Aeneid, 
I feel like the I feel like we're going really here. That the Annie ad is so much better of like. Uh, I, I feel like that's a pretty good. Re- yeah, I like the Annie ad is so much better at exper- at showing the human experience mm-hmm. than the Annie is. Yeah, I think part of that is like context. Like you know if. If we grew up in Rome, and if we were, you know, soldiers in Rome, maybe mm-hmm. we would have a different perspective. Yeah. But within the context that we are given, within the world that we live in now, it shows us the multiple doors that we have of discovery in life. Mm-hmm. And how it, it revolves around yourself, the actions towards yourself, it revolves around your actions towards other people, just in general. And I think that's something that the Aeneid doesn't quite cover. And maybe that is context. Like, I think... When you look, I think it has this kind of notion of, like, you are helping one body. It kind of all goes into mm-hmm. one specific idea of, like, this is this is how Rome was created. If you want to keep Rome going, you've got to be pious like Aeneid, but you also need to be a fighter and a leader. Whereas in the Aeneid, it's like, you got to, you know, you got to love yourself, man. Yeah. It's, you can't let, you know, these people take advantage of you despite their circumstances you can't let there be these you know antagonists of tan man who is supposed to be like this he's the antithesis of what the idea of a you know epic is because he's supposed to be this big strong man coming from war but then he comes back and war has made him weak war has made him a terrible person you see that his actions towards annie i think that ultimately like i love how that's put there as it's a total mockery of it while Mm -hmm. pushing this idea of like you know, here is this guy meant to be a soldier. Is this divine intervention? I don't know. Maybe. But then ultimately you have this girl who's like, I'm going to change myself to make myself better. And that's the heroic story that comes out yeah. of it. it. It has, you know, the ultimate story doesn't have to deal with Tan Man and his, you know, occurrences in the war. And I feel like at that point, is it even an epic? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in that contemporary sense, should... Should those writers have, A, written that epic in the first place? Because does it actually do a good job of writing the human experience? And if you want to call the Aeneid an epic, it's not like those. It no. definitely shows something different. So does it even deserve to be called an epic because it's so different? And I, I feel like humans can actually write that type of story yeah, in, versus, like, those old epics. So it's like almost we have to, like, change our definition of what an epic yeah. truly is. Yeah. Because I feel like there's such a relative... Uh, definition of it at this mm-hmm. point and while we understand that it's not something that we truly relate to mm-hmm. and it's this new you know newfangled definition that you know uh, has been kind of presented to us in this new modern context where we're able to you know lift ourselves up and we're not glorifying ourselves as like direct you know I don't see the Aeneid as her really like glorifying herself in the same way that Aeneas was, you know, not like, first off, she wasn't, you know, like, directly related to any god, like, she wasn't above anyone else in stature, you know, Mm -hmm. like, personality-wise, she was probably, like, a million out of ten, we Mm -hmm. we can agree on that, but, like, there was nothing physically that had, that put her at an advantage, and it's through that that we get the human experience, we get this idea of it, and I think with that new notion, we also experience, you know, how genuine she is and, like, mm-hmm. how genuine her life is because, ultimately, she is human. She's going to make mistakes. She's going to be imperfect. But it's how she changes and how she reacts to that, which I think is a, such a true heroic story. Yeah, and that, that, that part there, like, that part, like, showing 
human capability is so much is so is like that what should be allowing us to write epics but sometimes like if you get too far into like i'm going to glorify this to a whole like bloated spectrum like of like oh there's these divine entities who are like helping us like that isn't always the case Mm -hmm. you know are you kind of saying it like whether or not there is someone there it's kind of like acting like we're on our own Mm -hmm. right okay i I like that because it's this notion of you know it's self-dependency which is something you see in the aniad and while like i feel like aeneas tries really hard to be dependent on himself it's ultimately you know through you know his mom helping him out that he ultimately gets this sword that there's so much that pushes him in the right direction and while he does have these forces like uh juno pushing back on him it's ultimately through like venus's advantages that he has a chance of success mm-hmm. where we don't see that in the Aeneid. and we don't see that in real life like we have no real recollection of whether or not you know there's someone out there who either wants it good for us or wants it bad for us mm-hmm. and it just presents a more realistic experience of it all yeah, yeah. well we all right so unfortunately we are nearing the end of our podcast but ultimately we are left with a big question uh should humans be able to write epics yeah yes and really are we think that humans should be able to write epics but that they have got to be authentic to the human experience and they can't just like overly exaggerate what we are as humans I think part of it goes with, you know, there's this old definition of what an epic truly is, Mm -hmm. and it just truly does not encapsulate the human experience. So I think part of saying, yes, humans should be able to write epics is realizing that epics are a lot different than what they have been perceived to be, because ultimately it's about showing what is heroic within a mundane lifestyle and how our choices have such a profound impact on that. And I think part of that is making, to make an epic, humans have to have it to where it is drawn that humans are able to see not only other humans being elevated and their golden characteristics being, you know, glorified in a sense, not exactly idolized, but more or less just kind of given a, you know, given its proper, uh, given its proper dues. At the same time, realizing that it is, you know, we are genuine, we are human, we are imperfect. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it's that combination that has such a profound impact on the story. It's definitely got to be a lot of someone else could read the story and get something out of it, whereas another person could get an entirely different thing out of it, just depending on where you are. Because humans are so diverse that... A story should encapsulate any one part or facet of the human experience. I think it's really interesting, the idea of, like, a picture says a thousand words. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you and I can be looking at the exact same photo, and you can see something that kind of sparks, you know, emotion, and I could have the exact opposite reaction. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of, you know, the human experience. Like you said, we are so diverse in that notion. Like, we are all very similar 
because I think one of the great things about the Aniad is this self-discovery and self-love I think is something that everyone kind of deals with but also learning how to change yourself is something that people deal with in different ways mm -hmm. and it's ultimately through that that we kind of find this own definition of ourselves because ultimately in life we are all going to do these things that are heroic in a sense and you know it doesn't have to be you know slaying a thousand you know Greeks or Latins in a short amount of time but it's being true to yourself while acknowledging who you are as a human and our imperfection that yep. truly makes it worth it. Like you are the hero of your own story. Exactly. So we hope you guys enjoyed this excellent podcast. Uh, please come back next week where we are going to be talking about the relativity of truth. Of course. All right. See you then. Bye.